three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 394. Welcome in. I'm going to turn the audio up on microphone a little bit. Uh, sorry, my headphones, excuse me. I got new headphones, uh, and not they're not new. My headphones broke, and so these are like my backup crappy pair. And it doesn't sound great. Like I know it sounds good over the mic because nothing has changed other than the headphones. But it sounds horrible in my ear. It doesn't. The quality of these headphones not great. Like the Walmart crappy ones I got them in college years ago. Uh, very short episode today. I have been working on a film analysis of Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, and I'll be honest, it put me way behind. And at this point, I've reached the painful conclusion that it will not come out until next week. And so I'm like, well. I have stuff to record. I should just record what I have and get it out, and I hope people enjoy it. I don't. I don't expect this to get a ton of views. I'm, I'm totally honest. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Thursday night football a day late. I'm talking about NFL Week Five a bit close to NFL Week Five actually happening. So, uh, to those of you who do listen to this episode, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Welcome in. Uh, and this episode is supposed to have. A big film analysis episode that's just taken longer than I thought, and they always take longer than I think, and I'm a little bit too ambitious with my deadlines, and so uh, expect that hopefully next week. I mean, I, I I would be if I don't get it out next week, I'm gonna like just die of depression. Uh, now I also want to make a correction: the Mariners did not make the MLB playoffs. I I had a big goof. I felt really stupid. Uh, it was kind of embarrassing. I made a big mistake last episode. I said that. The Seattle Mariners made the MLB playoffs, and that was completely wrong, like heinously, horribly wrong. And uh, I think what happened, first of all, I got tagged in a bunch of memes where people were saying this happened and that happened and making jokes and talking about Seattle making the playoffs. And I I think I just misinterpreted all of the memes, and I saw those right before recording the episode, and I I thought that meant, hey, they got into the playoffs— they did not, so little correction, uh, I was kind of embarrassed, however, people were very nice when correcting me, a lot of people were like, hey, I don't mean to be mean, and I'm like, no worry, dude, I, I, I went on a rant calling out Urban Meyer for like 30 minutes last episode, the last thing, like if I can't handle being corrected, that's my problem, not the audience's problem, so to those of you who are very kind to send messages to me, uh, thank you very much, um, but again, in, in my opinion, like, I, that's that's a thing I should be corrected on. I also I want to start today by highlighting Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff. He just won the Week Five NFLPA Community MVP award. He gave over forty thousand pounds of food and supplies to families in Detroit, families who are quote food insecure. Uh, and I don't know, man. I think that's very very cool. I think Jared Goff is a guy. I feel like every time I talk about Jared Goff, I'm criticizing him. I'm always talking about a fumble or an interception or a bad play or a bad read. It's really cool to be able to talk about Jared Goff and talk about something that is positive. I think the one thing, Jared Goff deserves the criticism he gets on the field. However, like the one thing that never gets talked about, I follow Jared Goff on Instagram and he's always posting about his nonprofits and his this and his that and his, his community donations. And like that dude gives a lot of money to people. And really, he uses his money to help other people. 
And I think that's something it's, it's totally lost when we talk about Jared Goff. And it's one thing that really deserves uh, some, uh, you know, a, a, a commendation about him is that, like, he, has, he doesn't need to give away money. He doesn't need to give people food. He doesn't need to do all that. A lot of people don't. Most people that have as much money as Jared Goff have never do anything uh, philanthropic. And Jared Goff does a very, very good job helping other humans. And that, to me really deserves recognition. It's it's one of the most positive, like, again, say whatever you want about Jared Goff on the field, off the field, the dude's outstanding. And I, and I really, uh, I find that inspiring. Like, I I would love to have an impact and help people, you know, that way financially. I'm not, I'm still taking care of myself, but I, someday if I get there, I would love to do something like Jared Goff does, because Jared Goff does such a good job helping other people. And that, to me, deserves praise and recognition. And, and he's getting it. He got the NFLPA community MVP but you know I almost didn't talk about it on the show and I'm like you know what I should mention that because that's really really cool what Jared Goff is doing over there in Detroit now from one from the Lions quarterback Jared Goff to the former Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford let's talk about that on Thursday night football the LA Rams beat the Seattle Seahawks 26 to 17 it was not a great game uh, I do have a bunch of notes though note number one is this is Matthew Stafford hurt worse than we're being told or we, we're being led to believe? It's no secret, Jer- uh, Matthew Stafford, the Rams quarterback, hurt his hand in August. He got a minor surgery uh, to fix that problem. He actually hit his, he hit his finger on a helmet throwing the football. And it kind of, I think it was a moment where head coach uh, for the Rams, Sean McVay, went, oh no, that's such a weird thing to have happen that could totally derail our season. And I think actually if I... Someone could fact check me on this. It's very, I don't know if this is what happened. I'll tell you what I would have done if I were the head coach, Sean McVay. I would say everybody on the defensive line and offensive line, you got to wear those like padded things on top of your helmets because I would hate to have my season entirely ruined because my quarterback hit his head on a helmet or a hand on a helmet throwing the football. I I think the Rams might have even done that. Looking back, if my memory serves correct, Sean McVay said, oh, that's a problem. We should make sure that can never happen again. Uh, now, against Seattle on Thursday night, Matthew Stafford had to wear a wrap on his index finger. And I, look, I've seen Matthew Stafford miss a bunch of throws throughout this year where he's been straight up inaccurate. Like, he had a throw on the goal line, was it, I think it was two weeks ago? I can't remember which Rams. I've watched every Rams game this year. I think the Rams are one of the teams I've watched the most this year. And, man, Matthew Stafford has had some throws he's missed that are like, what was that? How do you miss it? I get Matthew Stafford's on a new team. He's building chemistry with his receiving core, but he's had some misses that I'm like, dude, Jared, you know, Cooper Cup was wide open on the goal line in one of their earlier games, and he just completely airmailed it. I'm like, oh boy, how do you how do you miss that throw? And right now, either Matthew Stafford is hurt or not playing well. Either way, the result is that right now Stafford is the third best quarterback in the NFC West. And that might be just a thing that is sustained because we know Russell Wilson's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Kyler Murray is playing outstanding football, much better than Matthew Stafford is right now. And, you know, first of all, third and six early in the game against Seattle. Had Cooper Cup wide open, Stafford just missed him. Then later on a third and nine, Van Jefferson comes open. Stafford throws it literally way over his head out of bounds. And you're like, Oh my gosh, what's happening here? And and again, I want to give every benefit of the doubt I can. Stafford might be hurt, but it's they're piling up. Like later in the game, Cooper Cup wide open would have been a touchdown vertical, a deep ball. 
Stafford underthrows it. Cooper Cup has to dive to catch it. Instead of a touchdown, it's just a big play, which, hey, I'll take big plays. That's awesome. But the more I watch Matthew Stafford, the more I see him making small mistakes that I go, huh, you know, those add up. And again, I've seen like every Rams game this year, and he's just missing completions and some big throws. And maybe he's hurt more than we realize, but I worry that, and I don't just worry that they will add up. I mean, the reality is that in the playoffs, you can't have, you can't miss touchdowns. You can't miss third, third and nine. You can't miss third and six. Like you have to make those completions. And not only that, but Matthew Stafford, like he had a really bad interception against Seattle. He's rolling out. He's on the goal line. He's trying to throw the ball. I, I think, like I, I, I would certainly hope that Matthew Stafford was trying to throw the ball away. Back corner of the end zone. He didn't get enough on it. I'm assuming he was trying to throw the ball away. Got picked off. He either threw the ball into no man's land, like literally just like kind of a prayer, hoping someone would make a play in the end zone. Like the kind of thing where either Matthew Stafford closed his eyes and was like, okay, someone please catch it and just launches it up into the corner of the end zone. Or like what I went and hoping it was, was that he was trying to throw it away. He didn't get enough on the ball. Maybe again, he's injured. He couldn't, the ball's not coming out of his hand very well. I don't know. But, um, you know, there's like every game I've watched the Rams this, this year, there's at least two throws a game where you're like, Ooh, like he had, he had a couple completions where uh, against Tampa where he got lucky. He, he just straight up should have been a pick went through a guy's hands and it was a completion instead. And, uh, I, I remember like there was a play against Tampa. Matthew Stafford makes a bad throw, uh, on like a hitch route. And he looked at the camera. Like he kind of was like, Oh, whoops. Can't believe that was an interception, and it was actually a first down. Like, he's gotten away with a couple throws this year, and I, I, I don't know, man. I, I can't tell. Is Stafford still learning? Is he, like, hurt? Is he just—is that who he is? Like, the people that have said all offseason, hey, Matthew Stafford is bad. And people have said—people said Matthew Stafford is part of why Detroit was so bad for so long. And I've always said, well, like, it's Detroit. Their ownership is terrible. They're 0-4 right now in 2021. Let's not blame the quarterback. But the more I watch Stafford, the more I'm like, well, there, there are some, some problematic things. There, there are some mistakes being made that are, are a big deal. Now, five games, games in, I can confidently say that the Rams' defense is just not as good as they were last year. And so I'm, I'm worried about the defense. I'm worried that Matthew Stafford might have been overhyped and... The Rams are 4-1. and one. Like They're a good football team. I'm not trying to say they're terrible. Uh, but I think often people focus very heavily. And really, in the sports world, people only focus on outcomes rather than context. And if you look at the context of the way the Rams have won their four games, a lot of them are ugly. A lot, it kinda, It's like Oklahoma in the Big 12 who's been – Oklahoma's 5-0 and in college football, but it's – and maybe 6-0, depending on how the Texas game goes today. But they're, like, barely winning games. It's been ugly. And the Rams are, are winning, but, th- I mean, they almost lost to a backup quarterback, Geno Smith. And it was a two-point game in the fourth quarter. They, they, I mean, if Geno Smith doesn't have a receiver fall down in the fourth quarter and that ball get picked off like it does against Seattle, the Rams might have had the game tied up against them in the fourth quarter by a backup quarterback, Geno Smith. I... I I'm not trying to raise alarm bells, but I do want to say, like, I, I, I have thought the Rams are a Super Bowl team all offseason, all throughout the year. And the more I watch, the more I'm like, well, 
The defense isn't what it was last year. We knew that, though. But then Matthew Stafford, I thought, was going to make up for the defense not being quite as good. And he's been fantastic. I'm not saying Stafford's awful, but he also is leaving a lot on the table and make missing throws and missing reads and throwing questionable passes. And I'm sorry, but in the NFC title game against Tampa, against Green Bay, against whoever they run into, you can't get away with those kind of plays. You have to be better. And I worry that eventually that's going to catch up to them. Uh, now, the running game for the Rams against Seattle was awesome. L.A. is developing this really cool one-two punch. Uh, both Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson had a touchdown rushing against Seattle. Daryl Henderson had 17 carries for 82 yards and the touchdown that I mentioned. It's, it's cool to watch that develop. Now, easily the biggest storyline from this Rams-Seattle Thursday night football game was that Seattle's superstar quarterback, Russell Wilson, got hurt. He ruptured a tendon in his middle finger, and along with that, he he dislocated that middle finger in his throwing hand. And Russ had to get surgery. He's out now six to eight weeks. That's a massive deal. It's a big problem. Remember, Seattle leans really, really heavily on Russell Wilson to win games. And you can't—not every single team in the NFL cannot afford to lose their starting quarterback. Let's be clear. There's not a single team in the NFL— that could find out their quarterback is out six to eight weeks and go, oh, great. We're excited. Like, and, and confidently can say they're going to win a lot of games. But especially not Seattle. Especially not Seattle who, like, what else did they do well? Outside of Russell Wilson carrying them, what's, like, the best thing about Seattle's football team? I'm waiting. I don't, I don't know what it is. And not because I don't know. It's because I, I don't think there is any other real strength to that football team. Uh, now, I will say, credit to Seattle. Their backup quarterback, Geno Smith, came in and did a, like, not only a decent job, a pretty good job. Geno Smith came in, was 10 for 17, passing, had 131 yards, one touchdown, one interception, although I will say that interception Geno Smith threw was on the final drive in the fourth quarter, down seven points, and his receiver, Tyler Lockett, just fell down. That's not really Geno's fault. Like, it would be completely heartless to blame Gino on that interception when his guy just fell down and therefore wasn't on the other end to receive the pass. And I thought we kind of got robbed of a cool opportunity to have a fun ending to this game. Like, what if Geno Smith goes down and ties it in the fourth quarter against the Rams as a backup? Like, that'd be so cool. Now, one big thing to pay attention to is that the New York Jets have the Seattle Seahawks 2022 first round pick. So, the how good and how well the Seahawks season goes directly is going to impact the New York Jets drafting position this upcoming NFL draft. And the Jets are going to have two picks minimum. I, I don't know if they have another pick. I, don't, I haven't done I the research. I know they have their own pick, and I know they have the Seahawks pick for next year. And it's pretty funny. Geno Smith was drafted by none other than the New York Jets. And for a while, Jets fans, he's a second-round pick, thought that Geno Smith was going to become their franchise quarterback. That didn't work. Uh, and Jets fans, I think, went from, for a long time, they they rooted for Geno Smith, hoping he would do well. And now they're going to have to root against Geno Smith because the more Geno Smith will, it, you know, loses games for Seattle, the more it helps New York have a better draft pick they're going to get from Seattle next year. Now, it is possible that Geno Smith does all right. If the way he played against the Rams on Thursday night 
is how he plays the entire time he fills in for Russell Wilson, then hey, maybe he won't be a complete disaster. Like he he played decent on Thursday night, and I mean he had a long ninety eight yard touchdown drive against the Rams defense to make it a two point game in the fourth quarter. Like that's not nothing. He was five for five on that drive. Looked good. And so the fact that not only did Geno, I know Geno Smith did not look hopeless in that football game, but we also have to acknowledge he's not Hall of Fame quarterback Russell Wilson. So uh, Russ will be out six to eight weeks. Here are the next six weeks for Seattle. They play at Pittsburgh. Then they play the Saints at home, the Jaguars at home. Then Seattle has their bye week. Thank goodness. Like if they're going to miss Russell Wilson, they might as well do it during one of their games that's a bye week. I mean, in one of the weeks that they're not playing, that's kind of nice for them. They're only going to play in the next six weeks. Seattle only plays five games, which is a huge break for them. Like imagine if Russ got hurt and they'd already had their bye week. That would have been brutal. Then after the bye week, they play at Green Bay and then Arizona at home week 11. Seattle is two and three right now. If they can beat Pittsburgh and Jacksonville, two winnable games, then Seattle might be four and six after week 11, after playing the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and now, unfortunately, that feels pretty optimistic. I don't like <laughs> Pittsburgh has a struggling quarterback, Big Ben. They still have a really good front seven. They got TJ Watt. They got a good defense. If I was a Seattle Seahawks fan, I would feel devastated. Your season is not looking good at all. I feel very, very bad for Seahawks fans. I did predict them to have a bad year. I predicted them to go to go six and eleven. I, like I, I can't even say, oh, I was right because if they go six and eleven, it's not even like their, their starting quarterback got hurt. And I, I predicted them to have a bad year. I didn't predict Russell Wilson to lose a big chunk of his season to a, a finger injury. He's never has he ever missed a game hurt. I don't think he has. And so, um, like on one hand, it might end up making me look good kind of because I'm right but like I don't it's not a right I would feel good about because I Russell Wilson's was not I could not have predicted him getting hurt and uh I just end up feeling bad for Seahawks fans like that's that's pretty brutal now another thing Seattle is really struggling with is pass coverage and unfortunately their safety Jamal Adams is not helping he's basically a linebacker like the, the thing he's best known for is actually getting after the quarterback and making these crazy plays, stopping the run. And that's fantastic. Uh, but he got embarrassed trying to guard Rams tight end, Tyler Higby. He gave up a touchdown. It was ugly. Uh, and look, I am terrified for when Seattle plays against Arizona. Arizona's got this fantastic receiving core, a great quarterback, and Seattle appears to not be able to cover almost anybody. And it's just like, oh, man. I mean, some of the, the, the Rams had receivers running wide open the entire game. And, and Matthew Stafford missed some of them. But, boy, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I would feel very, very nervous and scared right now. Uh, now, the Rams defense isn't great either. Remember, they gave up by that 98-yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. Geno Smith was the quarterback. And it was a two-point game where the Rams were at risk of losing to a backup quarterback that is awful and and part of it's one of those things that really shows how far this Rams defense has fallen from grace and fallen from where they were last year now there were a couple weird moments in this game uh Seattle had an ugly failed fourth and two they ran they ran the ball on third and two got stuffed for no gain and then Seattle ran the ball again on fourth and two felt like it just again up the middle went nowhere it was baffling I'm like well 
that's a weird like kick the field. If you're if you're gonna do that, at least take the points. But you have Russell Wilson, your fantastic quarterback, not being utilized two plays in a row in a third and short and then a fourth and short situation. I thought that was very very weird. And then the Rams had a third and five that they got called for delay of game, which is cannot happen. What? Either Sean McVay wasn't paying attention or Matthew Stafford wasn't paying attention to the game and they both lost track of the clock. That's weird in of itself. And then what's even weirder is on that third and five that turned into a third and ten. On third and ten, they ran the ball out of the shotgun. They, they was like a, like a running back draw up the middle. I'm like, what are you doing? Weird play call. And I think actually Matthew Stafford, did he get confused? I, I looked like Stafford changed the play at the line of scrimmage, which I, I in theory – like you, you count the box, you read the numbers, and you go, "Oh, we're in an advantageous situation to run a running play here." But you don't do it on third and ten. I just, huh, weird, very bizarre. Uh, now, Seattle's punter had a really, really bad game, uh, and that's not true. I shouldn't say that. Sorry, the Rams kicker had a bad game. Seattle's punter though had this weird play where he had a double punt, where he punted the ball, it got blocked, and then he picks it up and punts it again. And it was weird, but and I feel already bad that I misspoke and said he had a bad game because this is a great play. Like he really, uh, I, I I don't know if he knew it was legal when he kicked the second punt, but it's one of those plays where like do it because if it works, it's great, and if not, well, you got to either repunt or something's good. Like you can't lose really anything by trying to make a play in that situation. It's kind of like um, when a receiver's running vertical and he beat you, and as a corner, you just pull him to the ground because. You'd rather give up a long pass interference than a true touchdown. So the reason why the double punt, you know, he punts it, it gets blocked, he picks it up, he punts it again after running a little bit. It, in theory, worked out and was legal because it didn't pass the line of scrimmage the first time it got punted away. I still don't know if it's legal because I, on video it looked like he was beyond the line of scrimmage when he punted the second time. It didn't get reviewed. I can't find any articles either, like kind of reviewing what happened. It looks like no one cares, but I, I remember going like, huh, is that even, is that even legal? And not, be, not for the reason you think. Like, did he punt it beyond the line of scrimmage, which is very much not acceptable in the NFL? Anyway, uh, so that was a weird play. And actually, like, if I had to pick one highlight from this game, it was the double punt, which really says a lot about this football game. It was, it was kind of a sloppy, ugly game. Backup quarterbacks, uh, backup quarterbacks playing. Matthew Stafford missing throws left and right. Uh, the the best play in this game was a punt, which is just hilarious to have that be. Uh, of course, like Ram Seahawks, two good football teams, divisional battle, uh, and, you know, and then and then that kind of game happens. Uh, now Rams kicker Matt Gay had a terrible day, and that rhymes. I was gonna say game, but Matt Day had a terrible day. Sounds kind of fun to say. He missed an extra point, and then he had two kickoffs that went out of bounds. And it's rare to have even one kickoff go out of bounds, let alone two in one game. And it got so bad, I literally joked to my fiancé watching with me. I'm like, does Matt Gay owe money to the mafia? <laughs> like, does he have some weird side bet going on? I just think he really had a bad night. But I can't say enough how bizarre it is to watch an NFL game. And see the ball get kicked out of bounds on kickoffs not once but twice. It's like, whoa, whoa. Is this high school football? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, bizarre. Anyway, uh, I walked away from Thursday night's game. I feel terrible. I feel terrible and terrified for Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson's injury is a disaster for them. I 
their season's ruined. I mean, I don't, I don't like I would be if Geno Smith can go on a run and then Russell comes back and they win from that. Like maybe, maybe that will happen, but that feels like just wishful thinking. I, I think unfortunately, um, losing your Hall of Fame quarterback for six weeks when you really heavily rely on him to win. It's over. Like the Seahawks season is over. They're going to miss the playoffs. It's going to be an ugly end of the year. And I, I feel bad for their fan base. And the Rams, uh, again, like I, they're four and one, but it's a really ugly four and one. And, and maybe they're still figuring things out. They got a new quarterback. Like I want to give them benefit of the doubt. But I'm cooling on the Rams. The more I watch, the more I'm like, oh, that defense ain't what it was. And Matthew Stafford's making mistakes. And like context does matter and, and don't just look at their win-loss record look at how they've won games a lot of them have been ugly a lot of them have had some bad mistakes and bad issues and like for example Geno Smith threw a touchdown to DK Metcalf and it was just terrible coverage about the Rams like the Rams corner I forget his name young guy in position to make a play and he just doesn't make a play on the ball and you're like well that's awful and that's that's not good coverage like that no offense to Geno Smith, that shouldn't have been a touchdown. It's not like an amazing throw. It's just kind of a average lob to the end zone. And the Rams' corner just doesn't even make a play on the football. And you're like, oh, that's a horrible coverage. Bad coverage, some bad defense. Uh, you know, <laughs> Matthew Stafford's missing throws left and right to people who are open on third down and should be touchdowns. Like, you're missing too many opportunities. And it's not like the Rams can't clean it up. But I, I do have to acknowledge, like, when I watch film of the Rams, I'm like, a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of bad plays, a lot of, a lot of like ugly football. And I don't know, man. I just, we'll see how far this Rams team can go. They went all in on a Super Bowl. They traded for Matthew Stafford. They traded for Sony Michelle. They are trying to make a run. But if these mistakes don't get cleared up for the Rams, they're going to come back to haunt them and they are not going to be a Super Bowl team come the end of the year. Okay, let's shift to New York. I want to talk about Zach Wilson. Last week against Tennessee, Jets rookie quarterback Zach Wilson had the very best game of his short NFL career. He was 21 for 34 passing, 297 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And by the way, on that interception, Zach Wilson, his receiver fell down. And so I think it's a bit unfair to blame Zach for that. Like, you're throwing the ball. It's anticipation. It's an in-breaking route. You throw it as he breaks. He breaks. He falls over. You can't really blame the quarterback on that. Uh, there were some, like, very eh, meh throws where it's clear Zach Wilson is still learning and uh, figuring out the NFL game. Getting used to the NFL is how I would put that. But last week during NFL Week 4, we saw some flashes of what Zach Wilson can do and why I was so excited about him during the NFL draft process, he made some ridiculously good throws against Tennessee. And of all the rookie quarterbacks, Zach Wilson has the best arm. The two quarterbacks that I think could end up being the very best from this draft class, Trey Lance, if he gets better and really can harness everything he's capable of, Trey Lance is going to be a monster with the 49ers. And then Zach Wilson is like already really good. And I think he had a bad start learning. He's on a bad football team. And certainly Zach Wilson's going to have to overcome being drafted by the New York Jets. But I like I think it's very likely we look back on the Jets season the Jets drafting in 2021 and go, they got the best quarterback in this draft class. And like the Jaguars passed on Zach Wilson, drafted Trevor Lawrence, who I, it's gonna be good. I'm not I'm not down on Trevor Lawrence. I just think Zach Wilson's gonna be better. 
hired Urban Meyer. I mean, like the contrast right now with how I feel about the Jets and how I feel about the Jaguars is unbelievable. And I really like the Jets' young coach, rookie coach, Robert Sala. And Zach Wilson, in my opinion, I want to call my shot. He's going to be a star in the NFL. He's too talented and works too hard to fail. Again, yes, he will have to overcome being a quarterback for the New York Jets. That's going to be they're an organization that historically has failed their young quarterbacks. But again, Zach Wilson is that rare mix of someone who is super talented, like, oh my goodness, talented. And he loves to work. He loves football. He's that guy that he he would do he'd play football for free. I, I'm convinced of that watching Zach Wilson. Like the stories I've heard, the way he talks about the game, the way coaches talk about him. Football is Zach Wilson's favorite thing. And I think people don't realize his commitment to the game. This dude, like, ah, he's one of the he's like, it's Tom Brady level of like, I love this game. Tom Brady, Zach Wilson, and Joe Burrow are guys that like they are just in love with the process. They love, love getting better. And I am really, really confident that Zach Wilson is going to be a star someday in the NFL. I don't know when he's going to pop. There's going to be a moment where he breaks through and becomes more consistent. I don't know when that moment's going to happen. Although I look at this Atlanta game in London coming up week five. I'm like, oh, Zach Wilson could have a great game again this week. So uh, just keep your eyes open. Zach Wilson is a guy who... Again, I, I don't know when it's gonna, he's going to turn a corner at some point, and he's going to have performances like he had against Tennessee every week. And I don't know when, when that moment's coming, but if there's one guy in this draft class in 2021 who could become like an Aaron Rodgers-level quarterback, it's Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback. And I think, man, like Sam Darnold's doing well with Carolina, but in my opinion, the Jets upgraded at quarterback by moving on from Sam Darnold and bringing in Zach Wilson. I feel that good about him, and I just— like, I have no problem making predictions. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I look at everything Zach's doing. Too much talent and too much work ethic to fail, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, we have reached NFL Week 5. And there are 10 games, therefore 10 storylines. I cannot wait to see play out this weekend. Number one is this. The Packers at the Bengals in Cincinnati. Paul Brown Stadium. Look, uh, Green Bay probably wins this game. Both teams are 3-1, and one, though, and I think it's just going to be a blast to watch. Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow sharing the field on a Sunday. It's going to be really fun. Like We're going to see a lot of great throws all over the field. Points, fun, amazing throws, great quarterback play. This is a game that I, I don't—again, I think the Packers win. I think they are a better football team here. Although, maybe the Bengals shock the world. They're not—the Bengals are trending upward— Although, again, I am picking the Packers to win this football game. But my prediction here, like the one thing I will commit to in this game, I believe it's going to be a really fun game to watch. And that's that's most important if you're a football fan. You just want like pleasure and enjoyment and having a good time watching football. And this game, Packers at Bengals, I think is going to give us that. High-level quarterback play. If you love quarterback play, watch the Packers at Bengals during NFL Week 5. Game number two, the Broncos at Pittsburgh. It looks like Broncos quarterback Teddy Bridgewater is going to pass concussion protocol, will play, and going to start the game. And, uh, okay, Denver, prove it. You started 3-0. I heard how great you were. I was I was on the—I was like, I'm riding the train with all the fans. I'm like, okay, let's see it, let's see it, let's see it. And then last week against Baltimore, Teddy Bridgewater gets concussion. Doesn't play the entire second half. And I'm like, well, okay. Like, 
maybe this game isn't a great way to judge how good Denver is. Because, you know, you lose your quarterback, you expect to lose, fair enough. But if Denver is a great team, they should whop. They should destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend who have been struggling. They've got a solid front seven on defense, but Big Ben is struggling. If Denver's legit like I think they might be, they need to win this game convincingly. And, and it's not they don't need to just win. It's how they win. And Pittsburgh is down. They're struggling. And, if again, if, if the Broncos are what I think they might be, they got to win convincingly this Sunday. Number three, Lions at Vikings. I almost did not include this game on the list uh, because the Lions are 0-4. They're trying to avoid an 0-5 start. Minnesota's 1-3. They need to win. But the reality is, whoever wins this game, I'm going to be interested in the outcome. Like I'm like, who do the Vikings end up being 2-3? and three? Then they have a shot to maybe save their season. Or, or do the Detroit Lions end up 1-4 and four and avoid 0-5 and, and therefore also send the Vikings down to 1-4. and four. Like, I just, I'm interested in this game. I want to see what's going to happen. And I think Minnesota, again, that they Minnesota has got a question at coach and a question at quarterback. Like, is, is Mike Zimmer going to take the fall for this year? Is Kirk Cousins going to take the fall for this year? Maybe both of them get fired? I don't know. But the Vikings have a shot to make or break. They got to save their season on Sunday. And I, I just find myself really, really fascinated by the Vikings. Number four, the Saints at Washington. Both teams are 2-2. Two and two. This is a crucial game. Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke made magic happen with a fourth-quarter comeback against Atlanta last week. Can he win again? I love Taylor Heineke. Like, he's fun. He wasn't a starter to begin the year, but he got a good contract. He worked out. He, he almost beat Tom Brady last year in the playoffs. Taylor Heineke, man, I, I want to see him. It would be so cool to watch him win this week at home against New Orleans. Now, the Saints are interesting every week because I just do not know what to expect from them. And so the winner of this game will go 3-2. and two. The loser will be 2-3. and three. It's a big game. I just think it's a really competitive, interesting game. Saints at Washington, NFL Week 5. Game number five, Titans at Jaguars. I, I, I'm sorry, Titans fans. I don't care about your team at all this week. I don't, I don't, worry, I don't know what to expect from you. I don't know what's going to happen. I bet Derrick Henry... Simple prediction, probably runs all over the Jaguars because that's what he does to every team he plays. But the Jaguars are the interesting team here. They had a crazy week, a big controversy surrounding their head coach, Urban Meyer. Got in trouble, cheated on his wife, public video, like all kinds of stuff. It's a bad look all around. And I just find it fascinating. How are the Jaguars going to play this week? And frankly, like, what if they win? What if somehow the Jaguars win? Does all the doubt and the quiet and the sorry the the rumors and the speculation does it quiet down if the Jaguars win? Or what if they win by like forty? Imagine that. I don't think I don't think the Jaguars are going to win this week. I think they're going to lose and it's going to be embarrassing. And I think his team is kind of giving up on their head coach and doesn't want to play for him anymore. But uh, it'll be very fascinating to see what happens with the Jacksonville Jaguars this week at home against Tennessee. Number six, the Bears at the Raiders. Game in Las Vegas. I love that stadium. I love how loud and rowdy they get in Vegas. Uh, Justin Fields is starting for Chicago. And I just, like, I want to see him run around and use his legs and extend plays and have quarterback designed runs called. And I don't know if Matt Nagy's going to do that because last time Justin Fields started a game, they barely had him do anything with his legs. Uh, But... I don't know. Uh, I 
we'll see what happens. I, I guess did he did he play last week against Detroit too? And again, like I felt like Justin Fields wasn't using his legs the way I wanted him to. And then how will Derek Carr and the Raiders offense play? Remember last week they got humbled by the LA Chargers. Their offense had one first down in the first half against LA on Monday Night Football. And so I want to see the Raiders offense bounce back against Chicago. A, a pretty solid defense too, but uh, we'll learn a lot about Derek Carr and the Raiders this week with how they play and how they look on offense. Number seven, 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals. Can the Cardinals stay undefeated? They're 4-0 right now. Can Arizona go to 5-0 and, and you know really solidify themselves as maybe the very best team in the NFL right now? They're, they're undefeated. They're at the top of everyone's power rankings. That'll be interesting to see. Plus, then the 49ers rookie quarterback Trey Lance is making his first ever NFL start, and I can't wait to watch that. Also, you don't have any film on the guy. Like, how do you prepare, really, for the Cardinals' defense for a quarterback you've never really— I mean, you've seen him play a little bit this year, or play here and play there, but I I would not be shocked if the 49ers came out with, like, a completely different look and were you know, surprising everyone and doing different stuff. And this could be a way, not only because, you know— I. I We'll, we'll see, man. I, I think it's very possible the 49ers steal a game here simply because the Cardinals defense can't prepare for what they don't know what to prepare for. So, um, I, I man, I, I really think this game's going to be fun and interesting. And I can't, I love watching rookie quarterbacks and I can't wait to see Trey Lance play. Number eight, the Browns at the Chargers. This is a massive game. Two really good teams, both are three and one. Both are in the Super Bowl conversation, in my opinion. And I think L.A. wins this game. To me, the Chargers quarterback, Justin Herbert, really puts him over the top. And he's a playmaker who... I remember last... I'm watching the Raiders game last week. Monday Night Football, Raiders-Chargers. And I'm like, it's, it's a defensive battle for so long in the first half of that football game. And I remember writing down in my notes, who is going to make a play to break this game wide open? And I, I remember writing down... Justin Herbert. And it seems like in every big game Herbert plays in, he is the person who makes a play first. He's like, I'm a, hey, you need someone to make a play? I got it, coach. I'll run for 60 yards. I'll make a massive throw. I'll look off a safety and make a great throw and a whole shot between a safety and a corner. Like he just makes stuff happen. And uh, I, I think that Herbert's the deciding factor. He's going to help LA win this game. But I am really curious to see how Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield will play. He's got a lot of doubters, and Baker Mayfield can shut a lot of people up if he plays great and wins this game against L.A. on the road. Uh, I We'll see, man. The, the quarterback battle's interesting. Will Justin Herbert be the playmaking superstar? I think he is. I, yeah, he will be. But will he make the key player, too, in this game? I, probably. And then can Baker Mayfield steal the show and, and really prove to people that he's better than he's giving credit for? Number nine, Bills at Kansas City. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to overcomplicate it. Like, two-star quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, that's going to be a blast to watch. There's not, I don't, there's not even really much more I need to say there other than I think Kansas City's down a little bit. And Buffalo has a real shot to win here. So it would be a, this would be a very you know, impressive big win for Buffalo if they can pull it off. And Kansas City's just is not what they've been in years past. They're still very good. They're still a playoff team, but um, definitely there, there's an opening here for Buffalo to beat Kansas City. Number 10, Monday night football. You have the Colts at the Rams. 
and the Colts have a shot to win. This will be a tough one if they do, but at one and three, I think the Colts are a team that's been underachieving all year due to injuries. And man, I mean, I think they're the best one and three football team. It's like the Colts or the Patriots, and I think the Colts have a better quarterback. So I think the Colts are the best one and three football team in the NFL. And they can prove me right by beating a very good Baltimore Ravens team on Monday Night Football. The Ravens are good. They're not a, I don't think the Ravens are a Super Bowl favorite. They shouldn't be, but they're definitely like a really good football team who can win a lot of games. And I think so are the Colts. And the Colts just haven't proven it so far this year. Like, don't forget, the Colts lost by three points to the Rams. And, you know, in the final possession of the game, Carson Wentz did not play for Indianapolis because he got hurt. So if Carson Wentz plays on that final possession, the the entire outlook for the year would be different. They'd be two and two. They'd have a victory over the Rams. So just don't forget how close the Colts have been in a couple moments this year. And uh, I just think like Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback, will be fun to watch. He always is. But I would love to see Colts quarterback Carson Wentz be the hero on Monday Night Football. On national TV, like that would really, I think, change the way people view him throughout the league. And uh, I just want to see something cool happen. We'll see. Monday Night Football, Lamar, Carson, Colts, uh, Baltimore. It's going to be really, really fun. By the way, uh, the Colts used to be the Baltimore Colts. Then they moved to Indianapolis. They literally left uh, under the, the you know darkness. So uh, that's another, you know, pe- some people in Baltimore that remember that. Really hate the Colts. That'll be fun, too. So anyway, uh, NFL Week 5 going to be fantastic. I think the number one games I'm looking forward to watching are Packers at Bengals and then Browns at Chargers. going to be awesome. I mean, there's an, like Bills at Kansas City is going to be great. Uh, I think Raiders and um, Bears are going to be really fun. Like There's game after game after game this weekend that's going to be fantastic. And uh, it's going to be a really, really fun weekend of NFL football. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Uh, That is all I have. I love you. I appreciate you so much. Again, I apologize for the Seattle Mariners thing. I I normally, not almost, every time I talk about something on this show, I look it up first. And that's like the only time I've ever just said something completely like not even, and I'm like, dang it. Lesson learned, right? I got to look it up. I got to verify everything. And uh, I was pretty embarrassed. I said that the Seahawks, sorry, the Seahawks, I said the Mariners made the playoffs, and they just didn't. I'm like, oh, dang. And, of course, you know, I I am a, a former Mariners fan who gave up on them at, like, nine. Was it 9, 11, 10? I don't remember how old I was exactly, but somewhere between 9 and 13 years old, I gave up on the Seattle Mariners, and I said, I'm tired of supporting this team. And it's pretty funny that, of course, the team I, I hate and kind of ruined being a fan of every team forever, I thought they made the playoffs, and then they didn't. And I'm like, oh. I, I compared them to a like your ex-wife, and I said, well, when your ex-wife gets married, you don't really get excited. You're not like, oh, woo, because you're not married to her anymore. You don't really care. But I bet when your ex-wife gets divorced, you're like, <laughs> that's right. That's why I got out of there. And I, I got to be honest, I felt that way a little bit. I thought I didn't care as much as I did. And when, they, when I found out they made the playoffs, I wasn't like, I, I wasn't really moved inside. But when I found out they almost made the playoffs and came up a game short and didn't make it in, I'm like, ah, vindication, baby. That's why I hate Seattle and I hate the Mariners. So, um, <laughs> and I don't hate Seattle. Let me be clear. I don't hate the city. Although I don't love the city. It's a lot of concrete. It's a lot of people. I don't, I don't really want to do that ever again in my life. 
but I but I do hate the Mariners. I really um, I think I'm, I think if I said I don't hate the Mariners, I'd be lying to myself. And I, I think I did say last episode I do not hate the Seattle Mariners. I, I I think I'm just lying to myself. I'm trying to sound like cooler than I am because the reality is I'm pretty bitter. They they really messed me up in my childhood. They're why I don't have a favorite team in any league or any sport ever. That and then the Seattle SuperSonics, my favorite basketball team, moved away to Oklahoma City. So pretty jaded as a Seattle sports fan uh, growing up. And then, you know, I, I moved to, my family moved to Portland. And so I had to be a, a Blazers fan, which I never wanted to be. And so I never, I never embraced the, the Portland Trailblazers. So anyway, uh, if anything, like I've lived in Minnesota as a kid too. So maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a, a Minnesota sports fan, which is also often misery. So I don't, I don't know. I'm happy to not have a favorite team. I'm rambling now. But I, uh, again, I apologize for that error and saying that the Seattle Mariners made the playoffs. They did not. And uh, much to my joy. That was pretty fun. All right, guys. Love you. Appreciate you. Have a great day. But I'm bum, bam. We are done.